0: But most of the backlash she gets isn't much related to her sound. It has just been related to the fact that she is a female and she sings a lot about love and her emotions.
1: Hello and welcome to Given the Platform, the show where we give unsung people the chance to flaunt their extraordinary passions and knowledge. Do you have something that you want to be given the platform to talk about? Contact us at giventheplatform at gmail.com. Take a minute to download us on your preferred podcasting platform, or if you're on iTunes, please rate us five stars. And if you want to stay up to date on our future guests and the like, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at giventheplatform today we have on Kenzie Zachary to talk about Taylor Swift. I'm particularly excited about this episode because it's the first episode where I haven't pulled from a friend, but instead someone who's contacted me using our email at give the platform at gmail.com. So again, if you ever want to contact me to speak about something on the show, I would love to hear it. It was such a blast getting to meet Kenzie and talk with her about Taylor Swift. And it was just a sweet and lovely episode. And I really hope you enjoy the listen. Today we are here with Kenzie Zachary. How are you? I'm all right. <laughs> today we're going to talk about um something very close to Kenzie and that is Taylor Swift. And what better time cuz she just came out with a new album, correct?
0: Yeah, also it's her 31st birthday today.
1: Today, I didn't even know that. Oh my god. That's crazy. Well, yeah, happy I birthday. Forgot.
0: <laughs> I know, I forgot, and then I woke up this morning, and I was like, why do I know this day? Like, Why is the 13th of December important to me? And then I was like, ah. Uh.
1: <laughs> well, this will be coming out after the 13th, but happy birthday, uh, Taylor Swift, if she hear- hears this. <laughs> so, let's just get started with um the basics. If someone were to have come up to you and asked who Taylor Swift was, having not heard of her before... How would you introduce her to them?
0: Uh, I would tell them that she is an American music artist, as we all know. And I would say that what sets her apart from all of the artists, especially in mainstream right now, is that I think she has a really exceptional ability to build worlds, not just within her music, but just the design and the... Uh, performances, and she writes all her own music. and I think that she is able to tell stories and to share experiences in a way that is really unique to her but can make everyone else who listens to the music feel like they're going through that same thing.
1: I know that she builds all these different worlds and I also know that a lot of her fans are very interested in her story as much as they are her music. Um, so can you give me like a brief little history of like her life if you have that?
0: Yeah, so she was born in Pennsylvania for a lot of her early life. She like grew up on a Christmas tree farm, which is uh, very cute. <laughs> um, but she always really loved music and was singing at a very early age. There are a lot of home videos out of her like getting a guitar when she was really young. Um, and she has always written her own music from a very very early age and so her parents saw this uh saw this talent in her and because they had the means to they all packed up and they moved to Nashville um and so she was in the industry and like bringing her little CDs to places really early on and it kind of went from there she was discovered in a cafe called bluebird cafe in nashville um and the guy scott bruschetta who we do not stand anymore um but he was he owns the record label big machine records which is the first record label she was signed to and he discovered her there um and then i the rest is history she has been touring since she was very young she Released music, all right. First album, I think she was 16 when the first one came out, and so yeah, that, and then everyone else knows the rest.
1: Yeah, so what's wrong with this guy that she uh signed to? Uh,
0: in recent, I don't know if you've heard anything about the Scooter Braun uh, like thing that's been going on, um, but essentially she had a like. In her label, the contract that she signed when she was younger said that she was going to do six albums with them. It was either six or seven. And at the end of that contract, she wanted to make a different sort of sound and they weren't really letting her. So she decided to move on from the record label. And now they have all of her masters and they won't give it over to her. Um, Scooter Braun is one of the people. and. So she was in a legal battle for it and now she has decided to stop and re-record her entire discography because she owns none of it. She doesn't own any of her music that she wrote, the music videos. She doesn't even own the cover art so she can't even use like the pictures or the photography that was taken of her during these albums.
1: Wow. Yeah. So how does that work to re-record the music if they already own like the music itself.
0: I don't know the legality of all of that. Um I I would assume that it's going to have to be different than it was before. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and she has she like released a small clip of love story um that she re-recorded because it was in a commercial for a dating website that Ryan Reynolds was in. Um and from that short clip it's like It sounds almost the same, except for her voice is so much more mature now. Um, But from what I understand, some of the lyrics will probably be a little different um, and the production will be different.
1: Hmm. That's so interesting. I never knew that. Crazy. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into Taylor Swift? What does that timeline look like?
0: Uh. So I grew up in Germany, um, and when I first moved back to the States, I was like eight years old, um, so she was about to release her second album, Fearless, uh, when I moved back to the States, but I think the how I got into her was because I used to be babysat by our next-door neighbors who, and mind you, I moved to Maryland from Germany, and so my next-door neighbors are like, you're like just rednecks just like stereotypical country rednecks and in their house all the time they had country music playing like 24 7 and it was out of this speaker um and i spent all my time there and i remember that one of the only female voices on that radio station was taylor swift and for a young girl Um, And my only access to music at the time was this radio station, like that was the one voice I could connect to. Um, And then you know, that was right when iPods came out. So I remember my dad put after the Fearless album came out, he put it on my iPod. So the only music I had was like, that album, and like the Jackson 5. (laughs) And I was, I was eight at the time. So like that that's what I connected to a lot. And I think because I had come into it through a really big transition in my young life, um that's, that's just how it was. It kind of, kind of went from there.
1: Yeah. It also was at a point where country music didn't seem too far off from pop music in the sense that nowadays I, I feel like it's so taboo.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like this music that I can remember from country music besides hers from that era was like Tim McGraw and like Keith Urban. Um, And it was definitely more country than it is now. But even then, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It's hard for a young girl to connect to that kind of music, though, because a lot of it was like, I want to drink beer and look at girls' boobs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean... Yeah. Taylor Swift was nothing but full of relatable music. I remember I used to love like my favorite was Mean only because at the time I didn't really relate to uh, You Belong to Me or anything like that.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's, it was good music. Totally. Uh, so what would you identify as the main reason that you liked her so much when she was introduced into your life?
0: I mean, I think the main reason was just that I didn't have exposure to anything else at first, and that was a voice, a young voice, who I could really relate to, and I, the music was catchy, and I don't know, I feel like I was such an angsty young kid for some reason, and so I mean... I was obviously never in a romantic relationship at that age but I felt like I could understand the feelings in a different way because she writes about like being a young woman and not just having crushes but the feelings that come with with growing up and starting high school and starting at new schools and then like you said the song mean which I loved as a kid because that song came out when I was 11 so that was like middle school and I had a lot of issues in middle school with girls that were not very nice to me. And so I a lot of it was just that I could connect even if I couldn't connect with the romantic side of it. I could connect with the emotions that were attached to
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that these reasons have withheld the test of time or do you like her for different reasons now?
0: I think both. Um I think, yes, it has stood the test of time, Um, but I also think I've been following and listening to her music since I was, like, eight years old, so now I'm 20, and I, I really do feel like I have grown up with her, and I know a lot of people in her fan base feel that way, and she's talked about it a lot, but at a certain point, when you follow someone for long enough, you not only you see how she has grown which when you listen to her music i mean the maturity that she has developed since she was starting to this album that she just put out is is astounding and the things that she is singing about while still similar is also very different because as you get older and different things happen in your life um and so i like her for the same reasons and also i feel like i have grown up a lot and so I I like her for new reasons, but a lot of it is still comes down to the fact that I can relate to a lot of her music.
1: Well, I think a big part of why people like her, and I feel like this is a common theme for a lot of artists, are they kind of develop and change as the time goes on, often with the people who listen to them. So... I know with Taylor Swift, this is a prime example because almost every album, or every few albums at least, it's a totally different era and a totally different style of music. So how do you feel about her changing these genres so much? And like, what would you say your favorite era is or was?
0: Oh boy. (laughs) Well, I never had a problem with the music genre is changing. So with Taylor, like you said, every single album is a new era up until these last two albums. We'll get to that in a minute. But it it was very much like she reinvented herself every single time she released an album, which is why it took her two to three years in between each album, because it wasn't just that she was writing new music. It was that she was taking everything you knew about her from that last album and completely reinventing it, which I think a lot of female artists especially feel like they have to do when releasing new music. Um, And now she's here with these two new albums and I never had a problem with her changing music styles because I was always just excited to see where she was going. And also because... The first album aside, which is very uh, like country sweetheart, I always felt like she was really leaning into pop. And I always, at the end of the day, loved her lyrics and loved her storytelling more than I loved the sound. And so that has always been true. She has always written her own music, no matter whether she was doing country or pop or now this like folky alternative stuff that she's doing now. If I were going to choose a favorite, I, I feel like it's where she is right now, just because I think it really hits where I am at this current moment in time, um, more than any of the other albums have. But also, every time she's released an album, I've said that. So <laughs> mm. who's to say? <laughs>
1: so was there any backlash for such a drastic change in tone? Because I know these past two albums have been particularly different.
0: These last two albums, there has not been a backlash. I As big as there have been in the past, but most of the backlash she gets isn't much related to her sound. A lot of it is not related to her artistry at all. It has just been related to the fact that she is a female, and she sings a lot about love and her emotions, and she has always gotten backlash like no one's business for that people calling her slut and saying that she you know sings too much about boys and that she's not smart and that she doesn't know how to do anything else um and we have seen her really go through a lot with that too i mean her entire reputation album was about coming back after something like that um because there was a period in her life and in her timeline where it was really, really bad um, in terms of how the media was treating her. Mm -hmm. And then it was also bad for her fans because I was was 14 at the time and I would get made fun of. And to this day, I get made fun of, I got made fun of by one of my teachers my freshman year of college.
1: (laughs) Was this during the reputation era or was this
0: post? No, wait, yes. Yes, it was during the reputation era um, that I was getting... Um, the height of her being like of the backlash that she was receiving was not the Reputation era. It was like after 1989 was released, um, so that was like 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. and that was like a rough time to be a Taylor Swift fan. Um, and also, it came, it came right when she was like dating Harry Styles. That's where it all started to get bad for her, um, because that,
1: yeah. That,
0: it was gnarly, people did not like that she was dating him
1: um, well, what was wrong with it? What was was it, with it the fact that um I mean, I remember all the memes at the time, and all the backlash was basically like anyone she breaks she gets into a relationship with is essentially a means to break up and then write a song about them or write an album about them. so was that the whole deal, or was it something in particular with Harry?
0: Yes, that is a big part of the deal, and then I think another big part of the deal um was that the one direction fan base is very protective and i so what this was 2014 i loved one direction as well um back then i was totally like a fangirl in my young teenage years and i love one direction as well so i had my like feet in both sides of the the like fandom pond and that that fan base is just really really protective and i think a lot of them were just really, really upset that this girl was coming in and, like, dating this person that they loved so much, especially this, like, you know, young boy who all of these girls were really in love with, which I understand because I also was. (laughs) Um, But so a big part of it was just that oh she's gonna write a song about you all she does is write about boys and then they break her heart and then they're the bad guy and she's innocent which is not true um and then also the fact that that fan base was just really protective of him and did not like the fact that this girl or slot as they were calling her was gonna come in and write bad music about him
1: mm-hmm. wow well I've done a lot of episodes before, including one on One Direction. So it feels like there's kind of a cinematic universe to all of this sometimes because a lot of you guys reference each other. Um, I mean, clearly the fan bases interact, but uh, not to this extent which I would have expected otherwise. Um, Yeah, I also remember um, the music video for Look Look What You Made Me Do was like making headlines because of that scene at the end with all the versions of Taylor And she basically was making fun of herself, which was also weird at the time. I don't know if she did that because she felt like she had to, or if she actually was, like, embarrassed by her past selves, but I don't know.
0: That was really interesting because—and she talks about this a lot in her documentary—but after she released 1989 and that whole era where, I mean, people were just relentless on her. And in her documentary, they show a lot of clips of the things they were saying about her, where they were like— She's just annoying. I don't like her. I don't have a reason why I don't like her. She's just annoying. She's too skinny. I hate her like model friends, blah 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 blah. And when that happened, she disappeared for a year. No one got a single photo of her for an entire year. She was just gone, and she talks about how she she just felt like she didn't have a place anywhere anymore and I think people forget about that too um because they're celebrities and we shouldn't be idolizing them um but we also need to not forget that they're humans and their reality of life is very different than ours and there's no way for them to tune that out what you say about them especially if like the whole world is saying it like at that period of time um taylor swift is over party was like you know when that was like a thing where on twitter people would be like blank is over party and it would like trend
1: arguably Um, it's still happening yes (laughs)
0: yeah yeah um so that happened it's like you can't tune that out when there are millions and millions of people tuning like saying those things about you you can't there's no way to turn it out whereas like us who aren't celebrities we can turn off our phones and you know, we're not going to walk outside and there's not going to be people like yelling at us. Um, Mm. And so she disappeared for a long time and we didn't get another album for about three years. And that's when we got reputation. And that's when we got, look what you made me do. And I, that was really a moment where I think she was having to, I think she used anger to pull herself out of that time, you know, because when you're sometimes when you're really, really sad, I feel like the only way to get out of it is to just like, put fury in it and like reclaim your story. Um, and I, and I really think that's what that album was doing is it was like, she disappeared for a year. She dealt with all of that stuff and then she came back and that was the album.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've gotten into the one direction fan base yet again, (laughs) not the first (laughs) time on this podcast, but, um, can you tell me a little bit about the Taylor Swift fan base? Um, and maybe uh, a few things that you like about it and a few things that aren't the best.
0: Yeah, so I admittedly am not as like deep in as I was in like 2012 to like 2015. And during those periods of time, I had, I had a Tumblr blog. <laughs> um, I was I was pretty into it there. I had a couple thousand followers and Taylor Swift was one of them. Um, and one thing that, I really liked about it is that it was really just kind of wholesome it was just a bunch of um I don't want to like gender it but it was a lot of girls young girls who just you know were dealing with a lot of emotions of of growing up and having crushes and all that kind of stuff and it was just a place where We were all just, like, making pretty, like, edits of her with, like, pastel colors with, like, the lyrics over it and being, like, this made me feel good for blank. And so, like, that's what I liked. It was a really nice community. And I was homeschooled um, for a couple years during that period where I was really active in it. Um, And so it just, it felt like a way to be connected with people who liked something. Um, And they were all nice. Like, the fan base overarching is a really like kind fan base who just really likes her um uh one thing i don't too much love as i've kind of gotten older is in a lot of ways i feel like the fan base has not grown up as like i feel like to a certain extent at a certain point you kind of mature out of the like obsessive all I do is like like, talk and think and like post about a certain person um and I mean there are a lot of people who will like wait outside her house and to and just spam her like Instagram accounts and I just think at a certain point when you listen to her music and she writes a lot about living under that spotlight because she has been in it and she has been on stage since she was 15 16 years old and i feel like at a certain point you have to realize that if you really love this artist and you really love and care for her that maybe you can still appreciate them without going to those extremes yes if I, that makes sense.
1: totally yeah that does make sense uh my only thing is I also understand that she's very involved with her fan base. Like I've only seen like stories and only heard stories about these girls that she followed that like followed her on Tumblr and she followed back and they'd make posts and then they'd like send something out and be like, oh, Taylor wants to send you something. And then they give you a big package and or they invite you to like a listening party. Um, And although that sounds great and I would like you to speak on that if you have any like extra information to share about that. Also, like, does that beg the question, does that kind of environment that she breeds uh, enforce that kind of mentality that you can stand outside of her house, that you are her friend, like things like that?
0: So, that is true, that she does, she she cares deeply about her fans, and... The packages that she sent out was one Christmas during 1989, which is when she started doing what was called the secret sessions where she would do the private listening parties where she would invite these people into her home and she would like bake for them and they would get to listen to the music before it was released. Um, And then the packages were Christmas presents where... She had been interacting with a lot of people on Tumblr because that was a really interesting moment that was really exciting for the people who actively use Tumblr, which I feel like is a site that it doesn't have a lot of action from the people who like have blogs about them. And so that was an exciting moment. And she had been interacting with a lot of people on there. And so she sent out big, huge Christmas packages with gifts um, of things that she thought they would really like, which is a really deeply personal thing. Mm -hmm. And then one of the other things she's done since her very first tour Fearless is she has these, um, they were called tea parties for the first couple. And then they were called rep room during reputation. And, uh, there hasn't been a tour after that. So I don't know what they're called. I don't know if she'll have them still, but it was where almost every night of the tour, uh her people from Taylor Nation, as it's called, or her parents who came on tour with her would walk around the audience and they would find fans who were like dancing a lot or had dressed up and they would give them free backstage passes. And after the tour, after the concert, they would get to come backstage. There was this whole room set up with like food and snacks and then she would come and meet them all. And so it does It really does. She makes you feel like you are a part of her life and you are her friend. And she, I don't know, of course, I can't say that definitively because I'm not in, I'm not connected to a whole bunch of other ones. But I can't think of another artist who reaches out that far. That being said, I, that comes with a level of trust, I think. She is trusting you to respect her. If she's inviting you into her home, if she's sending you gifts, if she is doing things like that, I think it's comes with a level of trust that I mean, you don't what am I trying to say here?
1: No, 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 I get it. There's boundaries that have to be set.
0: Yeah, and I think that she trusts them a lot and I don't think it invites people to like stand outside of her door or to like bombard her after shows or to track her down when she's on the beach. I don't, I don't think it invites that because she will, she will invite you into her life on her own. And I don't mean just like physically inviting you into her house, but with her music, which is so deeply personal and written by her, I don't think you need to go to all those extremes.
1: Yeah, I get that. I, And I only asked that question for the sake of, devil's advocacy i i understand how that can be but i mean it's such an enticing concept i i i don't want to speak to this as like a marketing tool because i know that she just does truly care about her fans but it does create this environment of like oh will she notice me that really entices you to like her even more um yeah and it's like i mean even as you were speaking i couldn't help but like for a second be like Oh, I wonder if she'd want to be on this podcast if I was a fan of hers and she wanted to speak on that. Like things like that is like very enticing as a listener, especially because nowadays. Um, excuse me. Especially because nowadays, um, the artist is so removed from the listener, especially in pop music, and that's why I think people go to indie a lot. Which is funny that she's going to indie herself after already being a pop sensation. But I think people Mm -hmm. go to indie and like these smaller artists for the sake of um, feeling like you're a part of a special group and that they really know you and really care about you because they're tailoring to their smaller audiences instead of to a label.
0: Yeah, but she has her own label now, so she can just do whatever she wants.
1: That is so. (laughs) So does she have her own label for herself, or does she host other people through this label as well?
0: Not really. She doesn't really have her own label, but she signed to a label that is run by a female, and I don't know all the details, so I'm not going to speak to it too much. Um, just uh, fans pop off in the comments, I don't know. <laughs> um, but she she doesn't have her own label, but she's signed to a fairly new label um, after she left the old one, and it's all female run, and so I think she definitely has a lot more say in her music than she ever did before. I mean, she even, the Folklore, which she just released before this one, Um, She talked about in the Disney Plus like thing that they just put out how she didn't even tell her record label until a week before she was going to release it, Um, which would have never gone down at her old record label.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. So you said she wrote her own music, but was she not influenced by the label that she was originally signed to? Because I know that's a big issue with a lot of artists that are pop and like big record labels. Did she ever was she ever like censored in that sense?
0: I think so, but not in a way of like you can't write your own music, in a way of like, you need to be what everyone wants you to be. We need you to be the country sweetheart. We need you to not speak out about politics. We need you to be a nice girl. Um and I I think it was in that way So it wasn't in a way of like You can't write your own music It was in a way of You can write your own music But it needs to be agreeable If that makes sense
1: No, yeah, that totally makes sense Um, So Yeah, that fan base doesn't seem too bad Considering the One Direction one <laughs> Hearing about what they used to do and stuff Um, So I have to ask you this question Because you come from a very different perspective Of a previous guest who I've asked this um, your opinion on fan base culture having grown up now do you think that it's healthy or not healthy for a kid to be in a fan base and would you recommend that or like in terms of parenting if you had a kid would you try to keep your kid from doing like fan base based activities
0: I th- think it depends on how all-consuming it is I I was not regulated in my time on the internet as a kid. Um, And so I, I mean, I just did whatever I wanted. I had, I had several Instagram accounts for these type of things. And I had, um, you know, the Tumblers and the Twitters, um, the Twitters. (laughs) It's so complicated because in a way for young people, I think it it is so hard to navigate uh, anything nowadays. Um, and it really does give you a space to, like, I really like this thing and all of these other people like this thing. But at the same time, there are some really toxic moments in those things that I think can really adversely affect how you navigate. So I, I just don't know. If I were a parent, I would probably... I don't know. It's so hard because in my head, I'm like, I probably would want to know a little bit more about what my child is doing on the internet, but then also, like, does your child you owe your child some sort of privacy? But also, I think it just depends on the age, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was
0: not that was not a good answer.
1: <laughs> no, no, that that's a fine answer, and it's a hard question. I mean, the last girl, she was talking about the One Direction fandom and um, Abby. She was like. Yeah, she was talking about all the bad things about it. And then I was like, so do you not think that other kids should be subjected to that? And she goes, no, let them. Like, I thought it was great. <laughs> so I thought that yeah. was an interesting answer. Uh, I, too, prescribed to the idea that I'm not sure how I'd want to go through with that because it's so... I think it could be toxic. Now, with your multiple Instagram accounts, were any of them just to, like, comment on people who, like, posted hate about her or something like that?
0: No, I let me tell you something. I was thinking about this the other day. I never deleted that account. And I don't know what the name of it is. So I'm (laughs) quite sure it exists somewhere unless like Instagram deletes accounts after you're not on it for a while. So that's embarrassing. I apologize to anyone who ever comes across that. I did not have accounts directly to um, comment against her or, like, against people who were saying things about her. That being said, if I had seen something, I would have said something. Um, But for the most part, it was just, like, I'm going to post about this girl whose music I like. And look, I made this poster. And look, I dressed up like this for this tour because I, like... I went to almost every tour she's went on. I didn't go to Speak Now, and I would like dress up. um, And that's a big part of her her fan base is like dressing up and like making things that are like related to her and like art and things like that. Um, I'm sure there's probably a really toxic part of her fan base. I just haven't seen it, and I was pretty deep into it for a while.
1: I yeah, and I also find it interesting. A lot of times on here, when we talk about fandoms, we talk about just the general hatred of things that are girly and how like yeah. weird and strange that is. And I always yeah. find it very interesting that um, it was like never like a big thing for Swifties per se. I think it was more of a thing for Taylor Swift herself than it was for her fan base. Like I think they were all just very resilient in their uh, femininity, which I find very interesting
0: yes and no though because while we were i i to this day get made fun of like when i would say that i like taylor swift the face that i normally get is like a scrunched at the nose face of like why she's a bitch and it's changed a lot now because everyone loves folklore which they should um but i i mean even what it's 2020 even this year before the world went to shit in class um someone one of my professors made a face at me for saying I like Taylor Swift and I understand why a little bit my roommate the other day was talking to me we were talking about it and she was like I realized that the reason I didn't like Taylor Swift and my professor said the exact same thing as well when I was talking to her about it was she said because she felt like a mean girl to me she looked like a mean girl um and I I get that in a I get that in a big way I think that if I hadn't been introduced so young I might have felt the exact same way um but she's not a mean girl and the argument of like I don't like someone because she writes about boys and she dates too much is like it's so overused it's so overused
1: yeah i get that i i don't know why i never i i never hated taylor swift that's for sure um i guess i was just never really into what seemed like corporate like artists you know what i mean yeah and and i
0: think a lot of people thought that too
1: yeah and then she veered away from that but that's why I find it very interesting that you said that she wrote her own music, because that is very interesting to me uh, and goes against what I had previously thought about her. Um, but celebrities are prone to common misconception, I guess.
0: Yeah. I will say the one thing, I thought of another thing about the fan base, though, that I don't totally love. Um, they have a really hard time acknowledging her fault. Um, and there have been moments where there have been i think some some big faults um and she talks about it now about especially um on disney plus they released like a a thing where um so she recorded folklore um completely remote and so her like a co-producers on the album she never saw in person while she was writing it and so they met for the first time after the album was already released and like saying through it and talk through it together so that disney plus like recorded it and that's what that's what i'm referencing um she just grew up a lot and i think she's learned a lot and matured but for a while there she very much like she kept her nose out of politics and i really don't like that um because i think that as an artist with a platform that huge you have a responsibility to use it wisely and so I would I would get frustrated a lot because I, I don't remember the specifics of it, but I remember in like the 2014 era she would say some things that were a little insensitive or people would ask her to comment on really important topics and she would just be like, you know I don't know I'm I don't know um, and that was quite that was quite frustrating for a while but also at the same time I you have to understand how hard it is. Because then she talks about this in her documentary of like I just wanted to be good and I didn't want to stir the pot. And so I don't know. That that's just one thing is there have been moments where she maybe said something that was not so good, and they the fan base just really likes to defend her tooth and nail. And I I don't love the whole like cancel culture idea because I think people need to be provided an environment to learn from their mistakes before we like cast them out forever um but I also think that it is not helpful when anyone whether that be a celebrity or not says something that maybe is really hurtful to a certain community um to not like explain to them that that is hurtful instead of just being like no she didn't mean it well yeah no one really means most of the time to be hurtful but you know, you still yeah. need to be explained to when you are.
1: hmm Totally. Um Yeah, didn't she have some spat with Katie Perry too?
0: Yeah, that was a that was a crazy that was also a crazy time. And now they're okay. What happened? But, yeah. From my understanding is there was a tobacco on the red tour where Katie had kind of hired some of her dancers out from under her because Taylor was just, like, selling... They were touring at the same time, and Taylor was selling out far more than Katie. Um, And so it was... That whole thing happened, and then there was just a lot of, like, like, shade thrown between the two of them on, um, on Twitter. Like, there was some comment that Katie made calling her, like, a wolf in sheep's clothing and music was written um bad blood was about Katy perry if you know that song yeah (laughs) um and i just think it was like and i think the reason why they've made up now is because i really think most of it boils down to the fact that when you're a female in anything you feel like there can only be one there can only be one successful female in any one thing. And so you feel really threatened when there is another female who can do something just as good as you, mm-hmm. or, you know, and, and it's hard because it's like with music, um, it's so hard to compare things like that of like, who's better than who. But when we boil down our successes to numbers, as we like to do no matter what what industry you're in um i think it really boiled down to that of like there can only be one female and i think as you get older and you mature you realize that it's not a battle of females against females it's a battle of like how can we create equality for everyone how can we get everyone on the stage if that yeah
1: mm-hmm. so to someone who hasn't listened to her before what would you say is the main reason as to why uh they should go on Spotify right now and look her up and start saving her music
0: i wouldn't give a i wouldn't give a reason really i would just say just try it out just listen to it and see what see what you think because i at the end of the day i think her i think her storytelling and her writing is second to none she how she creates a world, the the lines that she uses, how her albums are a story from start to finish, I think is really exceptional. And it leaves so many places for you to find um, your life in it, even though it is not about you um, and you didn't write that album. And so I would say, just, just go listen, just like put on one of the albums, preferably one of the more recent ones. Um, and just like, listen to the words. Cause I think you'll really find something special in them.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I had this other question. What about her is inspiring and good for us to be exposed to? I don't know if you already kind of answered that in your previous answer.
0: I mean, I think her kindness is a really big one. Um, I... I've always really wanted to be as kind as she is, and I don't know that I'll ever get there. So I think her kindness is a really inspiring thing. Um, But also in more recent years, she has opened up about a lot of struggles um, that I think are really important to talk about, and you don't always get to hear celebrities open up that much. Um, And so that's something that I think is really important and inspiring too. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that would be my two things. I think her kindness is the biggest one for me though. Cause I, <laughs> I just wish I could use some of that in my everyday life too.
1: Yeah, totally. So let's go through this discography um, of your favorite memories of her. So what's your favorite song of hers?
0: Oh, I have no idea. That question stresses me out. Okay, I'll give you my favorite song right now. Because I can't give you a favorite song overall. I just don't know. Um, But my favorite song at the moment is from the album she just released, which is um, Evermore, which is not just the album, but the last track on the album is called Evermore. And I'm really obsessed with that song right now. Um, And it might go on some of my, I don't know, her best song it's just the one that's like i feel a lot right now so that one's my favorite right now i cannot give a mm-hmm. favorite song overall there's there's too much
1: <laughs> yeah there is a lot of songs so what would you say is your favorite album
0: mm. really favorite. or
1: favorite era yeah.
0: mm. i love red I really, I really love that one. Um, Is it my favorite? It's probably tied for favorite. I also really love Lover. I think that one is, it's hard for me to choose a favorite because I have felt like each album when she released it has been really important for my, for that moment in time for me. So, like, choosing a favorite is hard because off the top of my head, I'm like, well, my favorite right now is Folklore um, and Evermore because it's really speaking to, like, this moment in time for me. Uh, but I would say Red is really far up there and will always be really far up there for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Red's a good <laughs> one. I know Red pretty decently because, Yes. oh, wait, never mind.
0: You know Speak Now?
1: Yes. (laughs) I was thinking just because the colors. The colors, yes. Speak Now Um,
0: is a good one. Speak Now is also the only album she has written without a co-writer. So she wrote most albums, she writes all the music to it. But she'll have, like, Jack Antonoff, who has done a bunch of albums with her, who collaborate with her. Um, But that album, she wrote the entire thing without a co-writer. The whole thing. Um, Which is really impressive because she was, like, Mm -hmm. 17
1: what would you say is um your favorite memory like going to a tour of hers like your favorite in person memory of hers
0: uh the reputation tour um was my favorite memory uh so for context i've been to fearless um red uh 1989 and then reputation um and reputation is my most favorite memory, um, which was really good. I graduated high school right before that, and my best friend was a year below me. So she didn't graduate, but her parents, as a graduation gift to me, bought us tickets to see her in Pittsburgh. And then they took us on this like little trip, um, and we went to Pittsburgh uh, for a couple days, and we went to the concert. And her name is... My friend is Olivia. That's her name. And we had so much fun. Like, we wore, like, matching outfits, and I think it was one of the few times where, as, like, I, we just danced. Like, we were at home, and it was so, it was a really fun experience, and it was, like, right before I went to college, and not to be dramatic, but I just feel like life has not been as good since, like, 2018 for anyone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and that was, like, the end of that summer, and so it just... I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I'm like, God, are we ever gonna get to dance at a concert again? I have no idea. Yeah, um, it's hard. Yeah, so that that's my favorite like in person memory.
1: And you've never had a moment where she like notices you like she does with some of her fans.
0: Oh, on on Tumblr back in 2014, she followed me and like and would like a bunch of my posts, but it never was anything like further than that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's cool. I though. tried.
0: <laughs> yeah, I tried so hard. I was definitely one of those um, those girls who would, like, make the posters and, like, wear the outfits at the concerts to try and get one of the, like, invitations, yeah. um, which is why I think I enjoyed 1989 so much more than I did the other concerts, because that was when it was about having a good time with my best friend before I left for college than it was about like trying to get noticed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Now, what would you say is your favorite like other endeavor of Taylor Swift's? And I say this like documentary uh, acting appearance, like her standout role outside of her music career.
0: I love the documentary. I I don't know if maybe it just really... Actually, no, I'm going to say I love the documentary because of, like, very personal to me. She talked about a lot of things in that documentary when it came out in, like, right before the pandemic, I want to say. And... Yeah, that she just talked about a lot of things that I was going through that exact thing at that time. Um, And so I think that was my favorite. It was and it was also just amazing to hear her talk about those things, because I feel like I really needed to hear it. Um, And to like, talk more specifically on that. She talks a lot in that documentary about um, how her mom has cancer. um, And my mom had just been diagnosed like, a month before that documentary had come out and so that was a really like a thing of like I had followed her for so long but I had kind of like lost touch with like being as like deeply following her as I was and then to hear this person who I feel like has always been in my life then talk about that thing that I was also experiencing at the same time was really important and during that documentary she also talked about eating disorders which is something that I've also struggled with from a young age and I know a lot of girls have too and hearing her just talk about those experiences was a moment in my life of like being I was 19 at the time of being like this is why I always loved this artist was because she always somehow managed to speak and be going through very similar things. And also, I just think it's important for artists, especially, to speak up about, um, like being a f- the female experience of like being taught thinness. Um, I think that was a important thing that she talked about.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally.
0: So that documentary.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. And that is Miss Americana on Netflix. Correct. Yes. Cool. Everyone, go check that out. Also, with, I mean, we must mention that she's very philanthropic, uh, only because I was mentioning other ventures, and I realized, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of stories about how much she donates money, so, other yeah. fun, uh, maybe not the funnest to talk about, but definitely good ventures for her, um, some of the best, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: <that> is- <laughs> yeah. Her sexual assault case was also a really, um, important moment, I think, um, I don't know if you know anything about that.
1: No, not too much.
0: Um, So she, and I don't know the guy's name, but there is photographs at a meet and greet, essentially this, this guy who I, I'm not going to talk too much about who he is. Cause I really don't know much about who he is, but he had essentially like put his hand up her skirt. And so they, called him out on it and he lost his job and then he sued her for millions of dollars um and so she countersued for a dollar um but it was a really really long like drawn out case of her like having to go to court and all of these things that he was saying And it was like they had photo evidence of this happening they had videotape evidence of it happening they had um seven witnesses to the event happening but still like no one believed her and it was a lot of that time was like she's just being dramatic it was like during that kind of like reputation time mm-hmm. um and i think it it was really amazing because she only countersuing for a dollar but also going she didn't have to go through that whole court case but i think it's important because she she won at the in the end um I just think it really speaks to a lot and I think it showed a lot of uh, women who had been through a very similar thing Um, just support because at the end of the day it's not it doesn't really make anyone believe um, victims of that thing anymore unfortunately because that is the society we live in but I think that it was really, really important for the industry and for the world and for people who followed her or didn't follow her to see her standing up in that way.
1: Yeah. My last question that I usually ask on the topic is, um, if you were in my shoes and you had to ask yourself a question that I did not ask yet, um, what would you ask yourself? And then go ahead and answer that.
0: I think I would ask... um, where do you see her going um and that's also because I often think about that especially in these last couple albums um she writes and has been writing for a very long time about um like disappearing essentially like one day just walking away and leaving it all on the table and just not being seen again um And first time she wrote about that was on Red. And then in Folklore, she released a song called The Lakes, um, which is about that. Um, And yeah, so I would ask, like, where do you think she's going? And honestly, I don't know. I think she'll be here for a long time. To be honest, I think she likes it too much. I think she loves writing and loves connecting with people and loves performing. And so I think really think she'll be here for a long time, but I'm just wondering if, like, she's ever just going to actually do that. Yeah. If she's ever just going to say goodbye. Because she could do it.
1: No, I mean, I wouldn't put it past her, for sure. (laughs) Um, My question is, real quick, I actually thought of something else. Did you hear that theory on TikTok about her third album?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did.
1: Do you believe that?
0: I... I cannot believe anything that she's going to... First of all, her releasing Folklore at all was crazy. I normally have been able to... Normally. Most people, not just me, are able to predict when she's going to release a new album because she follows a very, like, specific algorithm. It's unique to every album, but it's also very specific of, like, we're going to wait two years, and then slowly you're going to see me, like, Remaking my entire world, um, and then it was just like she released an album not even a year ago, and then one morning, it, like it woke up and she was like, "Hey, I'm gonna do this. I'm out at midnight, and it's it's folklore, and it's gonna have a million songs on it, and blah 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 blah." Um, and that was a curveball. I was not expecting that. Yeah. Um, and, and also then this album, not expecting it. Um, What were you
1: going to say? I was just going to say for this theory that people are talking about is, like, just this concept that there's going to be a third, like, um, folk yeah. album based on, like, the fact that she said locations in Pennsylvania in, like, her songs, and they make a perfect triangle, like, geographically. And then there are, like, two sisters that they mention, and then she says it's uh, – she says the two albums that she's released are sister albums, but then the two sisters have a brother – so then there's going to be a brother album. That's just a little bit of background on what I was saying for anyone who's listening.
0: Yeah, there was also the thing where like she's released some merch in her um store where it's like she released like a set of scrunchies that was like three colors. And two of those colors correspond to the merch that has already come out for these two albums, but then the third color does not. So everyone's like, "Well, that must mean" that there's going to be a third album that corresponds with that color um i would not be surprised and i'll tell you why she has mostly for the last few years either a written about herself or b written about someone something real that she knows very personally but most of it is herself and she talks about that disney plus um documentary about how this is the very first time she ever allowed herself to make up stories and she was like i've always been a storyteller but this is the first time that i didn't draw from my life directly that i'm just telling stories that i make up kind of like writing a book or something and i think that be now that she's found out that she can just write whatever she wants and she can just make up stories and tell them. I think she's really addicted to it. And I would not be surprised if we get another one. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So that about wraps it up. Um, My last question is, do you have anything that you would like to plug any social media? Maybe that Taylor Swift uh, page that you had that you forgot the name of.
0: (laughs) No, that can die. (laughs) (laughs) That can, that can stay in the hole that it came out of. I don't wanna see that again. Um, well my Instagram is uh, MKZ oh wait, did I just say that wrong? It's MK Zachary, so M K Z A C H R Y. I don't post about Taylor Swift, but you can follow me. So yeah, that that's pretty much it though. I don't really have any plugs.
1: <laughs> and Taylor Swift, if you're listening, you're always welcome on to talk about <laughs> So, actually, funny thing, I had this, like, whole concept that if a celebrity ever came on, I'd force them to talk about something that they don't talk about normally, just because the whole point is, like, people get a chance to talk about something that they wouldn't get to normally, and she always gets the chance to talk about music. So, I'd make her talk about gardening. So, if you ever want to talk about something like gardening or something, Taylor Swift, I would really... email me at given at gmail.com
0: <laughs> gardening or baking make her talk about baking
1: oh yeah the baking probably would be something that she'd enjoy well
0: gardening and baking
1: so thank you very much for coming on
0: yeah thank you for having me on this has been great fun
1: yeah so um i'll see all the listeners next week thank you all for listening see ya Bye.